Brad, I know Kyrie had a big game, but I wanted to ask about uh, Jason Tatum. Nine points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, he made some, uh, did some good things for sure and, and battled in the post. We'll cut Coach Stevens off there because we're just so good at that. Full presser available on the CLNS YouTube channel. Mr. Tatum played well again. So we're going to answer that question for him a little more in depth with the Athletics' Sam Vecini coming up on episode number 239 of Celtics Beat, powered by DraftKings, DraftKings.com, and use the promo code CLNS. It's so theoretical. Like, (laughs) I, I mean, sure, do I think that that... Like, if the Pelicans decided, okay, we're going to trade Anthony Davis, I don't think the Pelicans would do better than that. So, like, in theory, that's probably the right value. But, it, like, it's also not really practical at the same time. Like, I don't know if Celtics would do that, to be honest. Like, it's it's hard. Like, I would say Anthony Davis is probably... I mean, like, Giannis is probably the highest trade value guy right now, followed by maybe Towns... Then maybe Anthony Davis. So, like, I mean, that would get you, like, all but, like, the top three players in the NBA, basically, I think. It would be a lot like Golden State. What was it now, like, four years ago, five years ago? Not wanting to give up David Lo- David Lee and uh, a young Clay Thompson for Kevin Love when, at the time, Clevin Love- Kevin Love seemed like a top seven or eight trade value guy in the NBA. Right, kind of. I mean, like, do I – put it this way. Like, if it was just Jason Tatum and, like – a pick or two, I would say, yeah, the Celtics should do that pretty clearly. And I think I'm probably higher on Jason Tatum than everyone is. But like, that's saying something right now. I just saw Jeff yeah. on the Garden Report the other day. He was pretty high on him. Yeah, you know, no, like put I, him in the Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, that's what I, that's that's a Goodman does. Um, he is. I mean, he has a chance though. Like, that's not out of the question that like Jason Tatum becomes a Hall of Fame basketball player. But I. Uh, you know, like Anthony Davis is what he is, and he would probably push the Celtics to being the best team in the East right now. So I probably wouldn't have an issue trading Jason Tatum for Anthony Davis either. So it's it's a complicated deal. Well, we'll make it official. Not yeah, the we'll actual, talk about it. On yeah, the not the actual trade, but we'll make it official here. Now, I did say it was episode number 239, and it still is, of Celtics Beat, presented by DraftKings. DraftKings.com, I'm saying it again. Use that promo code CLNS. We have big plans in 2018 for the network, the release of the website tomorrow, clnsmedia.com. And there is a huge announcement on this podcast coming up on my end, but that is then. This is now, just like a potential Jason Tatum trade for Anthony Davis or the Eastern Bunny uh, would be then. Because before we do that, you've been hearing him, San Vecini of the Athletic and the Game Theory Podcast. You know, I remember talking over the Christmas break last year, Sam, about bringing the Game Theory to the network and... You know, it's been that crazy every year for CLNS. Uh, we've been happy to have you here over the last 365 days and happy to have you here today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. It's been a really good time. Uh, you know, I'm very thankful to you and to Nick and to everyone who's helped me out over the course of the last little while here. So, yeah, it's been great and I'm excited to move forward here. It's been an unbelievable year for CLNS Media. We'll certainly talk about it coming up. But we we definitely time these shows nicely with you know, the full profile and assessment of, of the Celtics. We'll go with the two prize young talents thus far in the 27-18 NBA campaign. I, I know we've been talking specifically about Jason Tatum. I'm not sure if you're able to catch yesterday afternoon's game against Phoenix. It may have been a little too early for you uh, out in the West Coast, but I know you caught the nationally televised Sixers game 
uh, earlier in the week when, when Tatum just as a rookie, as you know, really just took over down the stretch. Uh, that's where that opening clip from the CLNS YouTube uh, channel was actually from. And I, I mean, even go back, it was like I think it was after Wednesday's practice. I was watching Al Horford on on one of the on the on the CLNS YouTube channel, I and mean, he said it. You know, the Celtics were just—I mean, he's being honest—they were just not expecting this from Tatum. And I can remember having guys like Coach Nick on here during the summer, thinking maybe he'd be you know end of the rotation, eight minute a game guy. What was you? What, I mean. Be honest. What was your, I know you're high on Jason Tatum, but what were your Jason Tatum expectations coming into the 2017-18 campaign for the Celts? Yeah, I mean, like I, I, I think had Jason Tatum higher on my draft board than any other NBA draft. You know, I don't know what the hell do I call myself? Like a person Mock who writes draft. about the NBA draft. I mean, we'll like, call you is, an expert. Sure, we. I, I don't like to use that word because I think it's like kind of ridiculous because this is a really really hard like venture capital market but uh you know I, I think that i had him higher than anyone else who does this so i thought he would be an immediate rotation player who would probably be like a you know 20 minute a game guy and i thought he'd be pretty effective in that role did i think he would be already yeah, succeeding it though already, awesome right? Yeah, no, for sure. He He's absolutely ridiculous right now. I mean, uh, if you're a rookie and you're putting up 14 points, five rebounds, like two assists, and you're doing it efficiently and you're helping a team uh, continue to have what, for my money, is the best defense in the NBA and playing a significant role there, you know, that exceeds wildest expectations for any 19-year-old rookie, right? Like, let alone, uh, you know, Jason Tatum. Any rookie should not have that expectation put on their shoulders, but Tatum has by far in a way exceeded it. I, I mean, you just look at the way that he's kind of fit into a role. I guess we wouldn't, we shouldn't really be surprised by that. Like, some of the issues that people had with Jason Tatum coming out of Duke was that he was so ISO heavy. He was a guy who uh, had all of these, you know, he would stop and pop from the mid-range all the time. He couldn't get to the rim. He would. He was this, that, and the other thing. He is above and beyond that, though, a player with an exceedingly high feel and a player that has a lot of emotional maturity and mental maturity at such a young age. And I think that people probably should have given that a little bit more credit than what they saw on the floor where he was playing with a Duke team that was dysfunctional from the word go last year. So I I think that he's helped by the system playing in Boston. He's helped by having a role allocated to him that will put him into place and not necessarily uh, help him deviate and get a little bit wild with some of his tendencies to try and create. But instead, they're allowing him to create within the function of the offense in a very substantial way. And I think that uh, it's a credit to him and it's a credit to the Celtics for knowing exactly how to implement him into this scheme. Emotional maturity. I, I like that. I was, I mean, where, do, I mean, is, is that really the, the fact that he's just so effective at the end of games? You know, generally, I'm going to use a, a stereotype on rookies that, you know, they can come in, they can ride some, Emotional energy, if you will, you know, off the sure. bench, second quarter, make something happen. But how effective he is at asserting himself at the end of games, I and mean, where does this type of enhanced psychology come from where he's able to do that? 
Well, let's just kind of be clear on this. Like most rookies are bad at NBA basketball. Like I don't think we're breaking news by saying that. Like you look at, for instance, any sort of advanced analytic statistic. Uh, typically, there are something like between three and five rookies that create a positive impact on winning basketball. This year, it's a little bit more because this rookie class is very, very strong. But Jason Tatum, where he comes in is that you kind of mentioned it, right? A lot of rookies are able to come in. They're able to ride energy. They come off the bench. Their role is to just kind of give a boost, right? With Tatum, I think it's kind of the opposite. He's very poised. He's very uh, has a high feel for the game. He knows kind of where to be at all times. That is the difference between being able to be a bench player and being able to close games. You you need to be able to make the right decision consistently. And with Tatum. One thing that was a little bit concerning to me in that regard was I wasn't sure if early in his career he would turn the ball over a little bit too much, just making, uh, you know, speed of the game, like poor decisions, right? At Duke early in his career last year, he would occasionally, it was due to doing too much at times, but he would get a little bit out of control. He was still kind of trying to figure out, okay, this is a lot faster than high school basketball. I need to slow it down. And by the end of the year, he was awesome. He was making great decisions and uh, he was a legitimate distributor as well as an excellent scorer for Duke. But that's, I think, what's impressed me most early in his career is the ability to not look sped up all the time. Uh, the fact that he has been as poised as he has been, the fact that he has been as collected as he has been. And again, I think it speaks to maturity. I think it speaks to, uh, you know, the... Uh, I, say, I think polish is a really good word for it, too. He works really, really hard. He's known throughout the league to be someone who works really, really hard at his game. Um, you know, I'm sure that you've heard as much as I have the stories of working with Drew Hanlon and how he, you know, constantly is tinkering with his footwork to make the absolute peak impact that he can make. And, you know, I think that whenever you're as prepared for the game as he is, whenever you go in with such a high level of uh, knowledge of what your game is and what you think the opposition might do and everything like that, I think it helps create a sense of poise within you and it helps you, uh, in, you know, be prepared to play NBA basketball. Yeah, I heard it from Drew Hanlon because uh, he comes so much on the Celtics Roundtable show on CLNS. You know, one thing, uh, you know, here we'll use another cliche, the rookie wall, right? And I wouldn't say this would be an issue if the Celtics now didn't have so much of a current dependency that they have on him. But our great researcher, Greg Gasoli, actually also of Celtics blog, he charted out the, that Jason Tatum would be the only would only be the fourth rookie in NBA history to log 30 minutes a game, which he's doing right now, and have a usage rate over 17 with with shooting efficiently as he has. I hate sure. to go with with a simple question of is stamina going to be an issue when you're only playing such a handful of games in college as it could be towards the end of the year? It wasn't really for Jalen Brown last year, as actually, in fact, he came on stronger, and we'll talk about Jalen coming up. But wild guess, or educated enough guess on that with him. With the well, Jalen played fewer minutes early last year, too. Very true. Uh, that probably fewer. helps a little bit, yeah. Um, I still will travel, that, though. I mean, they still travel and practice. I mean, you know, Right. I, it, it's, it's really difficult for rookies to keep this up over the course of the long term. So Jay, Jason Tatum will be going from playing 40 games over the course of like the end of November, mid-November until... Yeah. And minimal travel as well. When you're in the ACC, in you're going up, you know, travel's going to like Chapel Hill, right. <laughs> you know, North Carolina. Right. So. And Duke is, you know, very well known for staying in North Carolina during the entire non-conference season. So 
the travel, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, Tatum feels some fatigue there. It wouldn't surprise me if just the overall game load and minute load feels some fatigue there. Also, you know, teams are going to adjust to him. Like, there was a scouting report on Jason Tatum. He's as well known as you will find for a 19-year-old rookie coming in. NBA scouts have been watching him since he was 16 years old. They know his game. But it's a little bit different whenever you get NBA tape and you see exactly kind of how he operates within the spacing of the NBA game. And you're doing it on national TV, no less. Right. Like, you're you're going to see a little bit of an adjustment from the way he's defended, right? So I don't think he's going to average 14.5 rebounds on what is he shooting right now? He has a true shooting percentage that's like 63% or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I think that's going to fall off a little bit. I think his three point shooting is probably going to fall off a little bit just as he was up uh, like 50 earlier in the year for goodness sake. But that's, that was something I was really watching out for when he's still been, he's still been nailing him, but sorry to interrupt. Yeah. He's at like 48% right now from three. I think that's going to fall off just because I think that an underrated aspect of shooting that doesn't really get mentioned enough is just overall lower body strength and uh, overall endurance, right? As you start to get into the dog days of January and February, et cetera, it is hard to keep your legs, right? Like, like it's hard to really uh, be able to keep up that uh, muscle memory whenever you're 19 years old. And really, in Jason's case, he's not integrating a new shot, but it's a shot with some slight tweaks where it's a little bit more of a set shot. And he seems to have a little bit more, uh, you know, strength coming up from his lower body right now, in my opinion, and how he's uh, getting that shot from three to the basket, whereas in college he wasn't quite as good of a three-point shooter. I think that that's probably one mechanical change that he's made. So I... Don't think he's going to do this all year, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be an effective player in their rotation throughout the course of the year. Danny Ainge earlier in the week said that a lot of his success thus far this year was basically as a byproduct of the Hayward injury. How much is that really the case? That's a good question. Um, uh, He certainly wouldn't be starting if it wasn't for the Gordon Hayward injury. He started on the opening night, though, I believe. When did he? he? I thought it was. I, I thought he did. Oh yeah, yeah, you're. Well, yeah, because of, but Marcus Smart or Marcus Morris. I'm sorry, not Marcus yeah. Smart. Marcus Morris was out. I would imagine that okay. Marcus Morris probably would have started on opening night, right? Um, Point well taken. Regardless, though, like I don't think he would have gotten this large of an opportunity, certainly, to play 30 minutes a night without Gordon Hayward's injury, and it, I do think that that kind of speeds up the developmental process. We'll see. I mean, I. I I don't know. Like, I, I don't like to make light of the Hayward injury and try and find positive out of it. It sucks. Like, it's it's, it's a really the thing bad thing. Is there were a lot of positives out of it? I know it's we're tough to talk about it. I guess I'll be the one to admit it, but it was scary. There were a lot of positives that came out of it, unfortunately. But yeah, there, good. There are, but like, we don't know what the what the other side of that is. Like, could they be eighteen and two right now, or what are what are they? They're nineteen and four, I think. Could they be twenty and one? with Gordon Hayward, who is, for my money, like a top 30 player in the NBA. So I, I don't know. I just don't like to I don't like to make light of it. I think the injury sucks, and I hope that Hayward gets back and they can run out these awesome lineups of, uh, you know, Gordon Hayward, who's a good enough ball handler to play the two next to Kyrie Irving and play him next to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Al Horford and just have all sorts of skill and length on the floor and be able to do a billion different things. 
Giannis Media is the leading online provider of audio video coverage for the Boston Celtics, and we are honored here to serve as an imperative resource for the best fans in basketball who are all over the globe. Shout out to you, Australia. Holidays are coming. We're getting ready to make a major step in Celtics coverage here at CLNS in 2018, but we're going to need your help. Here's how you can help us here at CLNS. Support our sponsors who support productions like these, and DraftKings can come through for CLNS in a big way. So go to DraftKings and use our promo code CLNS. That's DraftKings.com and promo code CLNS. So DraftKings knows to send you. You can win big prizes while you're at it with basketball season now back in full swing. Support CLNS needed by putting your basketball knowledge to the test so you can win huge cast prizes by playing one day fantasy basketball. DraftKings, there are so many ways to play. Choose from public contests with huge cash prizes or private contests where you can compete against your friends. They've got a beginner and casual contest where you'll play against people of similar skill set as well. The best part, you got to draft a new team each day, and drafting a team is arguably the best part of fantasy. The only thing better, you're winning cash while doing it. Just ask Dan from St. Louis or Jeremy from Austin. They both turned a $3 entry into $1,000. Huge cash prizes and bragging rights awaits only at DraftKings. So, once again, that call to action. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com to play free with your first deposit for a share of $10,000 in total prices tonight. Don't wait. Support CLNS and our big plans in 2018. Use code CLNS at DraftKings.com now. That's code CLNS only at DraftKings.com. The game inside the game. Holiday cash. You need it, and I know where to get it. My bookie is the place to score serious cash on your sports predictions. Believe it or not, the holidays are just around the corner. And while that means plenty of parties, gifts, and spending... It also means there's a lot of football, basketball, and hockey games you can score big on every day. Man up and play like the pros on game day. You can play the money line, side or total. My bookie is your hookup for all your betting needs and offers super fast payouts when you win. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. And if you want to make money betting the games, you have to go to mybookie.ag. They're the only site I'd recommend. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out yourself. They have odds on every matchup and a mobile site that makes wagering on your smartphone a breeze. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 50% bonus. Use promo code CELTICSPEED to activate offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. I have been so impressed, not just how well he's playing, but in that he's living up to and exceeding these expectations, which were already lofty ones and I thought were getting more unfair by the day because they end up trading Avery Bradley. And it, well, he, not only had they have to come with the fact of, oh, he's the third overall pick in the draft and he played well at the end of the year last year, so he's got to be much better next year. But then they trade Avery Bradley and it's, oh, well, that'll be Jalen Brown. He's going to fill that defensive void for them. And incredibly, he has. And then, you know, you have the Gordon Hayward injury. There's an offense. There's a vacuum now offensively, and it's, oh, well, that's the Celtics. They got that Jalen Brown. They picked them third in the draft. And he's done so. If you want to sort of, you know, run all over your Jalen Brown expectations, and if he is, I assume he's exceeding them like he, if he is for me. Yeah, no, he, he's certainly exceeding my expectations. So, like, whenever Jalen was drafted, I had him at, like, number four or number five on my board. I was a little bit higher on him than I feel 
most people were. Like, I feel like a lot of people had them in the seven, eight range, something like that. Uh, you know, I, I liked the athleticism. Again, he's known as a really smart kid, a really, uh, you know, mature kid who works really hard on his game. The concerns were the jump shot and just the overall, like, bull in a china shop mentality kind of you know like he just kind of rushes in and doesn't really you know think about what's happening around him like he some people thought he had a low feel for the game because of that like his uh he didn't pass the ball a ton at cal and they didn't have any floor spacing though so it was really hard to get a true scout on it in my opinion um you know, last year he exceeded those expectations by becoming a rotation player on a really, really good playoff team. And this year, coming into the year, I did my like top 25 players under or 23 and under, right? And I had Jalen Brown like a little bit below guys like, uh, you know, Yusuf Nurkic and Malik Monk and Jamal Murray, uh, you know, some guys like that. But I had him as like, I think I had him at like number 24 or 23, something like that. He would be far up that list now. Like he'd probably be in the mid teens and that's a credit to him. He's a really, really good basketball player already. Uh, the fact that he can defend multiple positions immediately, he can take on tough defensive assignments and the fact that the jump shot has come along a little bit more quickly than I think anyone could have anticipated is a really, really big factor in, uh, you know, just the Celtics being able to, whether that Gordon Hayward injury, the fact that they can keep him on the floor and not get murdered from a spacing perspective, and they can keep uh, he and Jason Tatum on the floor and play him with Marcus Smart, for instance, and maintain that defensive flexibility while also maintaining proper floor spacing offensively. And plus, uh, you know, he's an excellent slasher, a great athlete. Like the stuff we all knew is there, but it's the other stuff I think that's come along a little bit more quickly, and he looks great right now. Yeah, the other stuff I assume being shooting. Has that been the most important? important I guess improvement if you will you know not just the conversion of the corner three but I mean just three-point shooting in general is up seven percentage points from last year has that been the most beneficial improvement for him for individually and from a team standpoint I think it is because shooting in general allows your offensive game to blossom uh, a lot more quickly than it can otherwise and the reason that I say that like for instance you can look at Kawhi Leonard right Kawhi Leonard coming out of San Diego State was a total non-shooter like people don't really remember that, but like he legitimately could not shoot at all coming out. Now he's turned into one of the best players in the NBA. But I think that one of the reasons he was able to develop the rest of his game so quickly was that he became a knockdown shooter so early in his career that it allowed him to kind of develop a lot of little other moves off the bounce. Guys would close out on him really hard and he could figure out little, you know, little shoulder shimmies, little, uh, you know, right to left crossovers to get past the guy and kind of go to the rim or go toward the mid range area. And that really helped him become and flourish as a primary scorer uh, with Jalen Brown. What you're seeing is right now that the shooting has opened up the rest of his game, particularly his ability to slash off of closeouts. Uh, the points that I want to make with his shot right now, uh, I would say that there are two things that have happened, right? Uh, he smoothed out the hitch at the top of his jump shot. Like you go back and watch Cal tape. He had a really like kind of hitchy spot at the top where he would pause almost and then shoot. Uh, he smoothed that out. It looks a lot better coming out of his hand and uh, looks a lot better kind of going up and just being a fluid one motion shooter. The second part is that I noticed better rhythm and balance throughout the jumper, and I think a big reason for that is that he smoothed out the hitch. Uh, 
it just looks a lot cleaner coming out of his hands. It looks a lot, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to shoot a jump shot whenever you have rhythm coming up from your lower half and everything looks in place, right? Uh, it's easier to make jump shots that way. And I think that that's why you're seeing him shoot 40% from three right now. Again, I think he's probably going to be more in like the 36, 37% range. I think it's like whenever the year ends this morning, but uh... yeah, like I, I think it's going to be a little bit lower than that by the time the season ends. But you know, he's a good shooter now. He's a shooter where if you give him that open corner three, he's going to make it. And if you close out too hard, he's going to go right by you. And we know what he can do attacking the rim. So I I really like what I've seen from Jalen Brown. I think the shooting has really opened up the rest of his game. Very interesting how that really hasn't converted to the free throw line. It's actually gotten worse he's since weird. the last time Isaiah Thomas, which is his mentor, was on the show and kind of called him out for that uh, a few weeks ago. But uh, and you know why I think that is? I talked to a shooting coach about this with Josh Jackson in the pre-draft process last year. Some guys are rhythm shooters, right? They need to be going in the you know flow of the game and the run of the game, right? It's all mental Otherwise, in the present moment. Right. It's really, really hard for them to kind of get their shooting momentum coming up from their lower half whenever they're at a standstill. And with Jalen... A lot of the times whenever he gets a shot, he'll take like that rhythm drib- dribble, right? To kind of like set himself up and then go up for the shot. Uh, I think that that's kind of what's happening here. A lot of the times I think he needs to kind of be in the run of the game to, you know, kind of create that momentum from his lower half and then kind of create his rhythm going up through his upper half to make shots. Uh, at the free throw line, it's really, really hard to create that on your own. This is good stuff, Sam. Really, you're killing it. But let's really let's go let's go to some real the real good for Jalen. Uh, defensively, I mean, for me, I didn't want to call it a surprise. Actually, those were expectations that uh, I had that were pretty high from, and he's certainly meeting them as of this morning. I believe he's uh, third third in ESPN defensive real plus minus among shooting guards. Very effective defensive player right now. He's really using his athleticism and agility. That's something that is pretty much equal with uh, Avery Bradley from last year. What type of defensive potential do you see in from him going forward? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I, I don't want to say that like his – I don't know that his defense is overrated necessarily. I think it's just kind of like – like I hear people in Boston kind of talk about how he can be like an all-NBA defender and like me. how he's already me. there. You're me. Right? You'll make everybody – I'll speak for everybody in Boston. Yes. So – Let alone. I don't – think he's there now I think he's probably like a like a somewhat above average defensive player uh he gets lost a little bit for my liking too much like he's still 21 years old you know uh it's really really hard to be uh you know a totally polished defender at that age right uh on the ball I think he's really good uh that's not a surprise six seven seven foot one seven foot wingspan something like that uh you know really good at contesting closes out under control as well uh also very switchable, can defend multiple players, uh, you know, can he's very versatile on that end. But I, I would just like to see him clean it up a little bit off the ball and not get lost a crazy amount. Uh, you know, I, he's been he's been he's been really good on that end for a 21 year old. I, I'm just saying don't uh, let's ease up on the should Jalen Brown be all NBA defense this year train <laughs> point. Duly, I will duly note it. But there was a few things that I was, you know, just thinking of just because, like, I ha- you have to do the – it is a Celtics podcast, so there isn't a Celtics podcast that can be done without giving a, a, a shout-out to Brad Stevens. So I yeah. guess I'm setting – I'm lining up with this. You know, these are two – you know, these are lottery talents that are having – I guess you can call it a benefit being able to work in on 
a title contender. So what is type of the, you know, if you can put it into words, sort of a like Brad Stevens slash Celtics impact on Tatum and Brown? What the Celtics are really good at, like I said I, earlier when talking about Jason Tatum, I think they're really good at role allocation, uh, particularly early in careers. And I think it's something that you look back through Brad Stevens' coaching career, going back to Butler, he's really, really good at establishing roles for players and fitting them into that role. Uh I think that he's done a great job, and I think that having that ability makes it easier on rookies to get established and to get their feet wet and to kind of, uh, you know, be able to make an impact early on. I mean, you look at the way that he used Terry Rozier, for instance. I think Terry Rozier is one of the most interesting examples uh, of player development in a while. Like, Rozier's really good now. Like, I actually think he's, like— awesome at basketball. Uh, I think if he would have gone to a different situation, uh, it probably would have been a little bit harder. You look at some of his obvious deficiencies early in his career, right? Couldn't shoot a lick. Uh, was way over-aggressive defensively. Could pick get and roll, terrible. Yeah, was not a great guy in the pick and roll. Uh, you know, could get turnover prone from time to time. Like, I think in lesser hands, Terry Rozier, you know, could be out of the league already just because once you are in a situation where you don't succeed, it's kind of hard to get that second chance, right? Uh, but instead, they brought Rozier along slowly. They knew that uh, if they kind of took their time with him, there was a lot of talent there. And you're starting to see the fruits of that, I think, late last year in the playoffs. And then throughout the course of this year, he's shooting like 37% from three. They cleaned up his mechanics there. Uh, he's become much less turnover prone than he was in the past. They basically just kind of smoothed out the issues of his game and made it a lot easier for him to you know, feel comfortable. And I think that Again, that goes back to Stevens. That goes back to the organizational culture that has been established within uh, the Celtics by the ownership all the way down through Danny Ainge, all the way down through the front office, down to Brad Stevens and the assistant coaching staff. Uh, they make guys feel comfortable within exactly what they want to do. And I think that that can't really be overstated as an important aspect of what Boston does. Yeah, you referenced Kawhi Leonard earlier and how he was able to come along and be as good as be Kawhi Leonard, for goodness sake. I think this is, I don't want to say that these guys are going to be Kawhi Leonard, but it certainly helps when you're doing this and you'll be able to work your way in on a good team, and you actually have to—you're actually held a little more accountable than you are on a lottery team. Which, yeah, just go out there, you know, play a 35 minutes, and and seemingly do whatever you want. So, you mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, Sam, that you didn't think that there's anyone higher than you uh, on Jason Tatum, and I hate to—I'm th- going gonna, I'm gonna to throw Jeff Good because I just can't help myself from watching Jeff on on the Garden Report after Thursday's game. Like I said, he all but put Jason Tatum in the Hall of Fame, and you said that there's even that potential now. So a very quick over-under. I don't, I don't want to do any Hall of Fame hot takeies, but <laughs> over-under on all-star appearances each for Tatum and Brown. I would say for Jalen... How about 2.5 Jalen over-under and... Yeah, I was going to say one and a half. Okay. Yeah, right. for Jalen. All right. Let's see. I would take under two and a half. I would pro- honestly, I'd probably take under one and a half for Jalen, just because it's really hard to make the All Star game, uh, even in the As Eastern Conference. Like it's it's really hard to make the All Star game. Uh, you know, I would set the over under at one and a half for Jalen. I mean, if you if you put it at five and a half for Jason Tatum, I would probably take the under because if you look throughout history, like. Basically every seven-time All-Star that his like anytime there's been a seven-time All-Star, all I think all but like two of them have been in the Hall of Fame. I, I would take under on that too, just 
by nature of, hey, it's really hard to do this. Uh, and we're so early on. There's so much variance that's going to happen with these guys' careers over the course of the next even two years, let alone 10 years that they're going to be in the league. Um, you know, I think three and a half is probably a pretty realistic number for Jason Tatum. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if you would go seven or eight. Wouldn't surprise me if he gets to zero or one. It's just so early in his career. And he's he's a really good player, though, and I'm really excited to see what he can do. Sam Vecini of The Athletic and host of the Game Theory Podcast on, like this, the CLNS Media Network mobile app. Follow him on Twitter at Sam underscore Vecini. Sam, for argument's sake, if there's a problem, if there's a problem down the line for the Celtics to keep all these awesome young players and it came down to Jalen or Jason, who are you taking? I, I would keep uh, Jason Tatum, probably. Uh, I think his ceiling as an offensive scorer is a little bit higher. Mentioned earlier on the show that there would be an announcement of sorts on this broadcast, and, and there will be. I, I want to first, actually, I want I want to again thank Sam for coming on. Uh, throughout the years, all of the great, great guests this podcast features, and not just a, a privilege for me as a fan to talk one-on-one with these people in, in basketball circles. Uh, Celtics Beat has become not just a vehicle for, for the network, but a vehicle and an avenue. So uh, our way of reciprocating with, with ticket giveaways, I want to thank that were in the thanks. I want to thank everyone, too, who supported our sponsor, Harry's, by entering for this Wednesday's Dallas game. And, of course, I, I guess what's most important to the CLNS audience by providing the leading online audio video coverage for the crown jewel franchise of the NBA, the Boston Celtics. You know, not too long ago, the last time this great franchise was at or at or near the top of the NBA, so during the days of, you know, KG, Paul Pierce, Rondo, Kendrick Perkins, and then, you know, Leon Poe, Glenn Davis, and later years, guys like Nate Robinson, Mikhail Petrus, and, you know, forgive me if I missed a name or two that we should remember, haha. But uh, during that last run of sustained excellence, from a local standpoint, the Celtics were, if we recall, they were largely ignored here in the hub, except during the playoffs for obvious reasons. Uh, In in terms of local media coverage, certainly not by the fans. Um, And because of that, this franchise's massive worldwide audience, that which was, of course, starving for Celtics Conference as was, they were just that. They were starved. Uh, it was not just horrible business by the corporate media here in Boston, but it was a it was a grave injustice to some of the best fans in professional sports all over the globe. We here at CLNS a few years ago set out to rectify that wrong. And now once again, with the Celtics back at the top of the NBA here in December of 2017, But this time, they are being covered as they deserve. And I can say in 2018, here at CLNS, where we cover every square inch of the organization with not just the show, but the Garden team at home and away games, pre- and post-game shows, both live and from the Garden and at the CLNS studios, Celtic Stuff Live, the original Celtics podcast, roundtable every day, full pressers and interviews on the YouTube channel. 2018 is going to be an even bigger year for the Boston Celtics, not just on the court, but here at CLNS Media. And as a Celtics fan, I can't wait to consume and engage in CLNS's expanding and more in-depth content and coverage. 
And with this expansion, my work as an executive uh, within this growing network has has made my work as a host a casualty. New Year's Eve, the final day of what has been far and away the most successful year at CLNS Media, Sunday, December 31st, 2017, will be my final broadcast as host here on Celtics Beat. Of course, this is bittersweet. I, 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 of course, am very excited for a new era with a new host, a new voice here on Celtics Beat, which has been the flagship broadcast for Celtics coverage on CLNS Media. This podcast existed before me. It will most certainly exist after me. But that day is still very much in the distant future. A lot can and will happen here in this month of December. We'll get to it when we get to it. Uh, us Celtics fans hope the Celts are still at the top of the Eastern Conference by then, first and foremost. But yes, I will announce that I will no longer host this podcast at the conclusion of the calendar year. So we will finish on that, uh, but I'll be back next week. Uh, I got a great guest, too, for episode number 240. But for episode number 239, music was provided by Chuck Dietz and Steph Legrateau. Our sponsors were MyBookie and DraftKings. Support CLS in 2018. This one is big for us. I cannot stress this enough. DraftKings.com and use the promo code CLNS. DraftKings.com. Promo code CLNS on at least a $5 deposit so they know who sent you. Thank you to the audience for listening for yet another week. And thank you, Infinity, for those who use the promo code CLNS at DraftKings. For graphic designer Scott Dillon, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. This is Larry H. Russell, the executive producer and host, signing off for Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Media.